0: Hello, and welcome to The Bar is Loaded podcast. I'm Amy Jarvie, and The Bar is Loaded is a podcast all about powerlifting. The podcast will explore hot topics through thought-provoking conversations with coaches, sports psychologists, researchers, nutritionists, and lifters of all levels. I hope you enjoy listening, and that being part of The Bar is Loaded community inspires you and supports your growth as an athlete in this amazing sport. Okay, so welcome back to the bars loaded season two and this is episode two uh, we've got a lot of really exciting guests lined up this season I hope you really enjoyed listening to our last episode which was with Meg Scanlon which was obviously uh, a very exciting episode getting to chat to someone at such an elite level about pregnancy and postpartum and all those difficulties so if you haven't listened to that episode definitely would recommend going back and having a listen to that and um, this week we've Got another very special guest, uh, Hannah Matson. Um, I mean, like it's a bit of an act to follow, isn't it, Hannah? Um, having Meg the week before you, but yeah, um, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm sure this is going to be a really interesting episode as well. Um, so me and Hannah have known each other for quite a while. Actually, we competed alongside each other numerous times when we were in the juniors, and they were really old. And well, I mean, are you are you not in the juniors anymore? Are you Hannah? This is are my you, last are you, year, This so is okay. your last. Okay, you're you're still young. Uh, that makes me feel <laughs> really, really old. I don't know why, but it does. Just thinking about all these people still in the juniors that makes me feel old. Anyway, um, yeah, but well, um, I was very much involved. I think a lot of our discussion today is going to revolve a little bit around the university sports scene. Hannah was really involved in that. Um, was the president for for Nottingham Uni Powerlifting Club and. I was a bit involved in that as well in the Glasgow Uni side and um, uh, was the social media um, person for that club for a couple of years whilst I was at uni and I think during both of our kind of times at university, we've seen the sport really, really change. So hopefully we'll get a chance to go on and have a little bit more of a chat about that later in the episode. But before we jump into the main topic of discussion, um, Hannah, tell us a little bit about you, um, particularly how did you get into powerlifting? What's your kind of sporting background? um, And why have you chosen to stay in this sport?
1: So my sporting background is is quite diverse. <laughs> I used to do track sprinting, so I, I like specialised in okay. 100, 200 metres. Bit of triple jump. I did hockey and netball. I had um, a brief experience with um, British track cycling. Um and when I came to uni, because of COVID, it was very difficult to kind of get around and find my way in any of those sports, just because mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. quite limited in interactions. But I was lucky enough to have a friend that I went to college with and... Um, mm. Well, I went to Sick for, No, I went to um school, and then they moved to a different sick form College and did powerlifting mm-hmm. with Nathan. And oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I actually got introduced to the sport by Nathan, which is not a bad person to introduce you to the sport <laughs> too. But I um, he said my friend said to me, oh, you know, you should um give powerlifting a go at university because my friend's mm-hmm. now the president of the club. So thought oh okay well I don't know what this is but I'll go along anyway because I had the connection so it was easy to Mm. make myself like you know make my way to the taster and I went along and I just really enjoyed it I loved it Mm. and I thought you know what um yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this I know where the gym is I'm gonna keep coming here on Saturday I've now met people so Mm. and then that was pretty much like if you ask me what my uni experience was it was powerlifting because it Mm. you know. I wasn't able to go any um, go to any lectures my first two years so <laughs> I was like not really meeting people in that respect um but yeah. I all of a sudden had this amazing community that would just just mm. my university life to be honest so and then I just decided to stay in the sport because it just became everything you know there mm. were so like for me, the actual competing and the actual, I guess, training myself is such a small aspect of it. I, I yeah. think in my time, like, it's been probably two, almost almost three years now. And in that mm. I've done coaching, handling, helping behind the scenes, going to an international competition, helping with live stream, looking at people doing photography. Like, it's just... um it's not just lifting and I think that's Mm. been the why it's been so easy to stay in it because there are so many avenues and it's just been fascinating.
0: Yeah definitely I think that is one thing that's quite unique about the powerlifting community is because I think because powerlifting is so relatively grassroots um, there's a lot of opportunities in terms of like volunteering I think and things uh, I actually think that it's it's amazing how much you can actually get involved in and get experience in. I think a lot of people think of like volunteering as this like big sacrifice but in reality like it also is an opportunity to gain so much experience and to gain a community and to like forge friendships as well and like you say you you just never know where that's going to take you like I've seen you all over the place at all different yeah. kind of problems it's, <laughs> it's totally one of these things that like powerlifting and just like getting stuck in in the sport can just open so many doors and opportunities for you
1: yeah and that's exactly what's happened to me like I think about the past year I've had uh, it's just been insane it's just been opportunity after opportunity after opportunity Mm -hmm. and it's it's exciting it's kind of Mm -hmm. when you have that available to you why would you not stick with it because things Mm -hmm. just keep coming your way if you open yourself up to it and it's been yeah it's been awesome
0: yeah yeah definitely and um, I think like as well it shouldn't be passed over that you're actually quite a competitive athlete yourself like you've got to quite a decent level in the sport like for sure and uh, don't put yourself down on that because genuinely you are <laughs> I think you're amazing and super strong um, so in terms of your kind of experience in the sport what's been like your favorite competition that you've done to date and why has that been your favorite comp?
1: Oh, goodness. That's a really good question because I get really nervous competing. It's not like anything I've experienced before. So I think athletics, Mm. you'd make a whole day of it and it was a whole season. So like from probably May through to August, I would have a competition every Saturday. And, Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, in 13 seconds, the race is over. You don't really have a lot of time to think about it. But I guess having adrenaline for three hours straight, it's it's a lot. And so, but I think what a lot of lifters find is especially when you're competing for your first time is as mm. soon as it's over, you're like, oh my God, I want to do it again. So obviously afterwards I'm like, oh my God, every comp was my favorite. So it's difficult. I think, oh God, I think, um, I think juniors was probably my favorite because I had come back from an injury that really mm. it didn't matter what happened on the day. If I got any lifts, it was just, um, like, I was just so happy, like, the fact Mm, that I got my mm. last bench, the fact that I got my last deadlift, Mm I, like, I was just over the moon, and it doesn't matter, Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. what the outcome was on the day, like, the fact that I was able to compete after popping my back four days out um, was just, you know, it was just, and some, because I am a competitive person, so I Mm. think going into that comp and thinking, oh, I wasn't actually worried about the outcome. I was like, you know what? I just want to go and, like, have my best day possible. And that's what happened. And, like, I was so happy with the performance. Like, it couldn't have gone better. So that was probably my favourite comp.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that one and thinking honestly like it you would not have known that you had had an injury like you looked so strong on the day and I think do you know it's actually super interesting and I've noticed this about my own lifting as a similarly nervous lifter (laughs) um like the comps that I put that pressure on myself and I get like too much in my head about it and I have like specific numbers in mind and I'm kind of like if this doesn't happen then, and, you know, your your mind can fill in the blank, those tend to be the competitions that I don't enjoy the most or that I do poorly in, Um, and I know for some people setting themselves some really crazy goal to chase really motivates them, but personally I've actually found the comps where I've come in with no expectations it's been like a crazy prep or like a really poor prep or um it's just been something I've signed up to last minute or like you say there's been a bump in the road before you're kind of like going in and you just come in like I'm just here to have fun I'm here to enjoy the process like I'm here to like be surrounded by all these amazing strong people and then you often end up with some amazing performance you're just like where did that come from you know it's uh it's really interesting but I think particularly for nervous lifters like us that can get like our our minds in a in a twist you know it's definitely um sometimes helpful even though you never wish an injury on anyone that's true
1: Um,
0: definitely okay right cool um right let's move on a little bit to the kind of main topic of discussion so you were president of nottingham university powerlifting club um what a little bit about your uni experience kind of more generally before we get into that so what did you study one thing and then how long were you involved in the club before you became president Um, And then, when did you become president and how did you find that experience? that's a lot of questions, but hopefully, you can remember all those. I'll try (laughs) to
1: remember them all. Okay. So, I studied nutrition. So, it's kind of relevant. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, I studied nutrition. I was um, women's captain the year before I was president. So, president last year, uh, women's captain the year before. And then the year before that was the year that kind of. We were very limited in terms of how much we could socialise and interact because we had the lockdown in, Mm -hmm, I think, was mm -hmm. it the second lockdown? From, like, across Christmas time. I don't know. There were so many. Um, (laughs) And so, but I was really, I I was lucky enough to be able to train with, with. with a training partner in like we got like a storage unit in town and mm. like had some equipment set up so we were able to and like I was so lucky to have that because it means that mm. through that I was a va- like able to be more involved in the club than others because I like yep. I kind of made a network of people so yeah yep. I was really fortunate to have that and like I think that's what spurred me on to be like women's captain and then because I wanted people to have the same experience that I did. Mm-hmm. And then obviously taking over from Abdul for presidency. Um yeah. So yeah, it was um it was amazing to see like how much the sport grew, not just in university powerlifting, but like yeah. just powerlifting overall. Because I remember yeah. I walked into Nottingham Strong on Meadow Lane and it was, I think at the time, probably the most well known powerlifting gym just because of the amount of racks and like yeah. plates and calibrated stuff it had. And I walked in and I was mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is amazing. And in the time that I was president, that gym moved to a whole new location on Church Street. They've now yeah. got like almost double I think the amount of platforms. Um they've mm-hmm. got like multiple extra racks. Like obviously opens was held there in March. And yeah. so for that to all happen in the time that I had joined like Nottingham was absolutely insane
0: yeah yeah it's amazing actually and I know this is a very similar thing like having been involved in the Glasgow University weightlifting club up here um when I joined the club which was in 2018 um our club wasn't even an official GUSA so Glasgow University Sports Association club it was actually just like a, a student Union club essentially, it was just one of these ones that anyone can can make up if they want to, if they have a handful of mates that they want to make up like the cake decorating club or something else random. So it wasn't even like an official sporting body club. Yeah, um, just a bunch of mates. And then I saw the sport in Glasgow develop from that tiny little group of people who are just a close knit bunch of friends who trained at the uni gym to like an official club that had like funding and a space to kind of train in and um, was sending people to international competitions and I think we actually ended up being like the second biggest sporting club in the whole of Glasgow University which That's is incredible. utterly insane yeah. and just shows you how much the sport changed from that would be 2018 to 2021 which is just wild to me um and it's it's only growing now it's just like bursting its banks now so um but yeah like in terms of your experience in Nottingham how did you see from when you kind of were women's captain and starting to get involved in the club how did you see the club kind of develop and change and along with that did you see as well like the demographic of the club actually change much because I know certainly with Glasgow Uni we did notice that we ended up seeing a lot of women get into the sport. I don't know if that was a similar experience that that you had.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the the confidence in women being able to, like, feel comfortable coming to the taster sessions, like, had definitely changed, like, in the time that I was there because I remember when I joined, I was one of the only – like, we did have a female-only taster session, but it was very small. Mm -hmm, And I remember mm -hmm, speaking mm -hmm. to a lot of people around me and it was more that it was – the feeling of intimidation walking into a gym and expecting to be good already. Because I think because it was such a niche sport at the time, like it's one of the reasons that Nottingham became so well known is that we were Mm. lucky to cultivate such like high level lifters from the beginning. Like we had Amy Viner as part of our like, you know, our club. Like obviously we had Nathan, like Robin at the top level. And so I think that would have been quite intimidating. But because the sport gains more traction so quickly, and the club grew massively it kind of expanded the range of lifters which i think was yeah. really important because you know it was so we wanted to make sure that it was like a welcoming culture, like you know welcoming mm. environment so that mm. novice lifters who had never stepped into a gym before felt that they didn't have to be at that level that i guess they thought was expected because in a yeah. lot of in a lot of team sports they have different i guess levels at which you you know are, are part of the club so like for hockey or for rugby, you'd have, you know, your top sport um, sportsmen who compete and then you have your mm-hmm. development squads. And I know that they have trials and, you know, people mm. came to the sport expecting us to have trials for top competitors and not. And we were like, no, we don't want trials. Like we want everyone to compete together um, because mm. the sport was like, I guess the club was still small enough for that to happen. So everyone could train in the same environment. And that encouraged mm. like a lot more people, especially women, to come. And so, yeah, yeah, like, I remember I actually popped up to Nottingham last week during one of the taster sessions and, you know, the new president was saying that they had about like 100 people come, which was just like, it's just insane because I was one of probably 11 or 12 who Mm. went when I first started, so
0: yeah it's just insane like just the growth and and how quickly things have changed and i think um it's almost been like a snowball effect where it's just got like every year more people are hearing about it more people are kind of seeing people powerlifting in university gyms and they're like what's that and yeah and kind word of mouth it just kind of like they're hearing about it and it just snowballs and snowballs and so i honestly think that like a massive proportion of like younger lifters coming into the sport that are making up the juniors are now basically coming in through university avenues yeah, which is definitely utterly insane and um, what do you think I think Nottingham was one of the kind of flagship universities in my mind of like um, a university that was bringing lots of lifters to these competitions that kind of certainly was a name that a lot of us knew at the kind of buck scene um why do you think that you know and it's your experience as president. Why do you think that Nottingham was able to grow that club quite as fast as they did? And do you think that there's anything that they did particularly that um made them such a big and kind of well-known club within the Bucks kind of scene?
1: I have to credit a lot of it to Nathan, to be honest. Because <laughs> he was president well done, when I joined and like he has been at the forefront of making it an official Bucks sport, you know, like being at the top end of lifters at a university level, I think him and like Robin and the group of people he had around them were so welcoming mm. and yeah. they were so positive. And I think everyone, like there is a culture in Nottingham where everyone was keen to grow the sport and grow like with each other. And I think when I, cause I remember when I competed at Buck, so it must've been, it would have been last April and I, we Wiped the board like we won everything because there were so there were so many of us, yeah. you know. And I just remember like you know we were f- the first to get team singlets. We were the first, mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. we were lucky enough to. Have, I guess, like Nottingham Strong as a training facility. But I, I think, yeah. like, because we had a head start in terms of knowledge, we had a head start in terms of like the people with experience in the club. Mm-hmm. We had like a head start in, okay, because we had those things, we could then look towards branching out towards club coaches or branching out towards getting yeah. singlets. And yeah. like, that's, that's why we were able to grow so considerably, you know, I think. Mm. And also being at the centre of the country, like, I think it did have a bit yeah. of a benefit. Um, And then, but I'm looking at sport, like the sports clubs that are growing now in terms of powerlifting and, you know, Exeter's way up there because of their members, but it's also because they do a massive amount for the sport. So, yeah, like, if you look at the volunteers that you have at Exeter, like, down at Super Training, like, we were lucky to have, like, fantastic North Midlands region, which allowed us to have the opportunity to work with like North Mids and like teach Mm. our members how to volunteer and get involved in other avenues of the sport. Whereas when you're a Mm -hmm. smaller club in the middle of nowhere, like universities that are isolated, they don't have that opportunity. But I think I feel like that's becoming a lot more accessible to everyone now, which is really good.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important thing to point out. It's something that I've noticed in Scottish powerlifting as well. So many of our volunteers are coming from those kind of university avenues or certainly have done. It's always um, an amazing thing to see. I know that the person who's a volunteer coordinator now in SP was once at uni with me and, you know, mm-hmm. got into the sport at university. And it's it's really nice seeing, you know, those people grow through the sport and then being like you know start giving back to the sport through volunteering and like cheering on their fellow uni teammates and then now they're in the kind of the committee positions and actually having a say in like how things are run and it's just it's like you're saying like there's so many avenues to get involved in powerlifting that can bring so much value and I think that is one of the reasons why You see people stay in this sport, you know, like a lot of people quit like their uni sport or their school sport. But in powerlifting, I think like it's the community and the variety of things that surround, not just the lifting, but um, the volunteering, the refereeing, all these other avenues that you can kind of get involved in.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I remember so during my time as president, I created like a group chat for all of us presidents to speak together and kind of share Mm. our experiences and share advice and you know, we made sure that we could add as many universities as we could to that. And we had people who were basically a one man team. Like I remember speaking to Kat Clark, you know, down at Bournemouth and she did set up everything herself. But there's only so much you can do when it's one person. And when your club is that small, you can't get funding from the university. So it was Mm -hmm, kind mm -hmm. of speaking to each other about advice, about how to work with not the university, but like gyms and like other universities down in the same region and get involved. And I think you're right in that the best way for university sport to grow and why it's been so successful is because uni lifters are really passionate. And so Mm. you have Lucas down in Portsmouth, who obviously does a lot of the social media for GB powerlifting. Mm. And, um, you know, he's worked really hard in creating media for Portsmouth, but also now looking at varsity competitions and like setting up like proper competitions for universities that are sanctioned. And that's popping up all over the country because people are, you know, are working really hard to make sure there's more opportunities for university lifters and it's just like it's fantastic like it's it's really cool.
0: There's also so much skill I think in university students I mean when you're at uni you are looking constantly for experience and it's like experience in any way shape or form like it's it's this whole thing about how Back in the day, it was just enough to have a degree. And now it's like you need to have a degree and you need to show that you volunteer in something and that you have a passion. And, you know, like employers just seem to want more and more and more. But I think like powerlifting is one of those sports where we have so like so much talent within the university community. Like these are people who are you know learning to do marketing or you know they may have video skills or creative skills or all sorts of skills that can be utilized and you know they can it's like definitely a benefit for both parties. Like it allows our federations to to grow and develop and to get much better but it's also great for them as well because they're building that experience for their for their CVs which it seems nowadays is like the most essential thing because employers just seem to want you to have got 12 hobbies or something. <laughs> it's
1: so true but I mean you couldn't have said it better And that
0: I found with powerlifting which
1: is one of the reasons that you know it's been such an important avenue for me is that any skill that you have is valuable Like from Mm. anyone, like you could do, you know, like if you look at videographers, like photographers popping up, like graphic design, coaching, like nutrition, Mm. everything that you do, like every uni degree, like to some aspect, because the sport is so new, you have a way of utilizing your own personal skill to develop the sport. And it's the perfect opportunity to do so. And like we're so lucky to be able to have that. You know, like it's 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 awesome because it helps the sport as well as it helps the individual.
0: Yep, a hundred percent, totally. Um, okay, so last kind of thing on the whole uh university period of your life, but um you went off and competed in university worlds. Have you done that twice or is it just the once? I'm not too sure. Just the once. Just (laughs) the once. I have this like flashback. It's like, were you there in 2019 when I competed? But I don't think you were. (laughs) But you, you didn't just go... To university worlds I'm pretty sure that you also won university worlds yeah so. that might have happened <laughs> <laughs> that might have happened yeah so you can take credit for that um so let us know a little bit about that competition how did you how did you find it personally as a lifter and then also being involved and in kind of bringing uh being involved with other like university lifters and kind of having that that team and that community um, so personally and then also kind of more broadly so
1: I think the one like the biggest takeaway for me for that comp was the group of people that I went with like it was so special and like I'm seeing you know they're people that I've kept in contact with and like Mm -hmm. still talk to all the time because they're just such lovely people, and it was such like a blessing to be able to spend that time with like because I guess when you go away and you don't know people particularly well, there's always that anxiety of oh like am I gonna am I gonna feel lonely like I don't really want to mm-hmm. feel like that when I'm mm-hmm. so nervous about comp you know what's the social dynamic to, gonna be like there are all these considerations and I remember you just arrive and everyone was just friends straight away you know we'd (laughs) go out you know we all went to Istanbul together you know we'd eat together we'd all be there 100% supporting Mm -hmm. each other for like every day of lifting you know it was just it was so lovely like everyone there was just so lovely and it was so special to have that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like I've been like I went to Malta to watch you know the open lifters lift and it was a very similar experience in that Everyone is just so friendly and everyone wants to get to know each other. And I've made connections with people from other countries that I still talk to and I like, catch up with every now and again, because there's a genuine interest in how other people are doing. And it's just really mm. lovely. So I think that was definitely the biggest takeaway in terms of the competition. I actually. I had no idea how it was going to go because there was one girl who I, again, like I still speak to regularly, whose lifts are absolutely flying at the moment called um Leah, and she's a French lifter. And she actually pulled, so she was top of the nominations and Ooh. um she was, you know, expected to win by a mile. And she pulled out last minute due to an injury. So, and oh. I found that out the day before. And so I kind of went into the competition going, oh my god like I could actually I could actually win like this is wow. this is not what I was expecting <laughs> and I actually had the worst performance of my life <laughs> like it was terrible um I just like I think even my coach at the time would agree it was like no that was shocking and I was like yeah that's fair enough like to be honest like I went six for nine I missed two of my benches and that's just mm. like I'm an anxious lifter anyway like I yeah, missed my yeah. first squat yeah. oh no I missed my last squat and I thought to myself oh you know it's fine I can still bring it back and then I missed two of my benches and I was like oh my god this is not going well at all <laughs> but um, it was a really weird one to deal with because whilst I won I felt like I really didn't deserve it and that was really hard because obviously yeah. you still want to be proud you know it's like you still yeah. went away you still won like yeah. you still put in the work but it was definitely a learning experience in that respect because mm. I did not feel satisfied with how the day went Um, but competing I also did a bit of assistant coaching as well at the time and I think like having right. that experience as well was really special Um, I think it made a difference that obviously juniors had been held at the same venue previously yes. so the coaches that went out with us had already been there previously that year and so I think it was nice to for them to have that familiarity because it kind of felt yeah. like we we were in good hands we kind of knew what was going on the venue was very strange like it was in the middle of nowhere like it was a very odd experience I don't think <laughs> I don't think like future competitions will be the same so it would be really exciting mm, if like mm. in the future I get to go out and like experience whether it's spectating whether it's helping out coaching um to see how much it grows like it would be really interesting to see how Slovenia goes for the lifters this year mm. um but yeah it was definitely like a unique experience in, mm. like all the all the positive ways possible so Mm, mm.
0: I feel like with internationals like it doesn't matter I mean I've had three internationals two went badly and one went (laughs) great Um, I feel like every single time you go away from one you just learn so much like about yourself and how you cope in that environment and how to be more adaptable and I, I think as well, it's given me a, a whole lot of respect for people who compete on the international stage, like, regularly, because yeah. it's just a different game. um It really is. And I totally resonate with you 100% about, like, you know, when you win something, but, like, <laughs> yeah, you have gone, like, six for nine. And, like, in your mind, it's, like, a terrible performance. Like, I, I had that with Classics this year and, like, you know, everything was set up for me to have like an amazing day and I only got my opener on squat and I was completely shocked because I was like what like (laughs) like I don't understand it apart from anything else I was just like how can you know this my second I think I'd done about 10 times at the gym or something and for some reason it just didn't happen and it's it's tricky trying to come away from that like I came away from that having won the 57 class and came second on like GL points overall and everyone was like congrats 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 and I was like I literally want to crawl in a hole and never see anyone again (laughs) (laughs) literally it's so difficult to deal with but it's just one of these things that like I think teaches you a lot about yourself and like learning how to manage those emotions. I also think is an incredibly valuable experience as a lifter, because it does help you grow. And I mean, you know, failure is never just failure. It's also an opportunity to learn, right?
1: Exactly. And I think no experience is a bad experience because you either like you always learn from it, whether it's Mm -hmm. positive, more so if it's negative. So like yeah exactly like every experience like there's so much to be gained from it so it can mm-hmm. only be a good thing.
0: 100% and I think what you were saying there about as well community um, and the university community like I have never been around more supportive people in my entire life than when I went to Uniworlds I've never had so much fun Um, it was just such a blast and meeting lots of other people who are just as passionate about the sport as you everyone cheers You on like so loudly. I remember the uni worlds that I went to in 2019. It also had like quite a few big names competing at it. I think Austin Perkins competed at it. Oh wow! Yeah, (laughs) and he's like obviously a very big deal now. And then Christy Hazard also competed at it. There was a few like people and Amy Viner obviously, um, who you know we're just like, it was just so exciting and everyone was just so excited to watch watch it. And I think it's really nice that we're seeing that type of dynamic become more common, like within the open division, within juniors that are going away. Because I do think like historically, we've viewed powerlifting as like a very individual experience because it is an individual experience. Yeah. But I think we are moving more and more towards that viewing each other as a team and I think you know and coming out to support the lifters that are on your team and I, I do think in some ways university powerlifting has kind of spearheaded that as a culture uh, which I think is really special actually.
1: I think so too and I think it's weird because well not weird but everyone wants everyone to do well and so yeah I, I felt like you know people might have felt differently but I definitely felt and I think I'm feeling this way more towards competition is that by the time you get to comp day the work is already done like like it's the end of the journey it's the end of Mm -hmm. this section of training and so really whatever happens on the day happens and so I feel like that's a massive aspect of just being able to take it for what it is but also Mm -hmm. I feel like by that point, the competition is already determined to an extent because you've got there, you've made it to an international competition. Like regardless, you are going to compete at an international competition. And for Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for university lifters who have only been in the sport for most a couple of years, because the university like university degrees for most like the majority are only three years to get to that level so quickly. It's like you can't be anything but ecstatic to be there. And yeah. I think because you're so excited, you're you know the work's already done. It's it's so easy to share that with other people and be like, yeah. you know, just happy for how everyone does, regardless of the outcome. Mm-hmm. Like you may personally have a a crap day, or you know it may mm-hmm. not have gone how you've wanted, but even in that regard, like I think I'd still be elated for you know the person who beat me or the person I was competing against yeah. because you're sharing in that that experience of we've made it like we've we've exactly. done it we've done the hard work so i think it's like it's a very unique sport in that respect
0: mm, yeah definitely and i think there's few i think there's few areas in your life as a university student where you feel like You've got that of their support people actually like cheering you on and like vocally yeah. like supporting you. Like, I think university in general can be quite a terrifying <laughs> and stressful experience <laughs> for, for sure. most yeah. people. Like, you know, a lot of the time, as much as in some ways, I feel like when you leave uni, you kind of glamorize it a little bit. But like at the time, like it's hard work, you know, it's it's a lot of like long hours studying. It's a lot of kind of individual study as well, and just like yeah. being by yourself with your nose in a book and exactly. actually like having a space where you know, you can be surrounded by a community that you genuinely feel care about you and they're like cheering you on. It's just so special. And I think that is something that is actually quite unique about powerlifting. It's just the community that has created really. Yeah, I completely agree. Okay, so moving on a little bit to you now, because, you know, you've left Judy, sad, though it be, but um, (laughs) you are now doing on to more exciting and better things. So what are you doing now? And tell us a little bit about um, life after university.
1: I think. It is an adjustment, regardless of what you go into, because I think, you know, the same as how it may be, you know, at school for some people. Like for me, like my school experience was very sport orientated. So it'd be like, Oh, trainings at this time. I will yeah. go to training off. You know, your schedule is built for you and like at uni to an extent like you do have a lot of freedom you can train where you want to an extent but there's still an element of structure there it's like okay yeah, like yeah. I've got lectures at this time I'm going to study at this time I've decided that I want to train in the evening or I prefer training mm-hmm. in the afternoon when you come out of that life Those choices are kind of taken away from you and you have to pick to like you have to fit to someone else's structure and someone else's schedule. Whether that be like a nine to five, whether you decide to do something different Mm -hmm. and it is quite an adjustment, especially when, you know, if you do go into the nine to five, it's like, okay, well, you're exhausted, like all of that free time you had is now not there anymore and you have to train after hours or you have to train before work like it's you've got a very limited window in which you want to do stuff that you want to do and if you don't go straight into a job then you've got oh I've got all this free time that you then Mm. but you then spend thinking crap I'm not doing anything like what should I be doing and like so there's all this guilt and other emotions that you know you're an adult you have responsibilities because whilst you're at uni and you're not at home anymore you don't have someone taking care of you you're like yeah. oh yeah but i can focus on my degree like I, and then i can relax and have fun the rest of the time so i think yeah i think a massive aspect of coaching as well is realizing that in an ideal world everyone still has that option to train when they want and I think just what someone told me once, which um, I think is, you know, it was a really interesting thing to hear is that you're never too busy. It's about your priorities. And yeah. I think that's very true, but that's not exactly realistic either because you, yeah. you have responsibilities as an add-on. So for a coach in an ideal world, you want your clients to prioritize everything you know to do with coaching oh sorry to do with training and so you want them to go okay well if this is important to you you'll get your steps in you'll eat right you'll sleep right you'll train you know and like leave yourself enough time to train and like train properly but it's not it's not doable for everyone and I think an important part of coaching is and as an athlete is accepting that like You need Mm -hmm. to prioritize what's important to you. And if you want to make training the most important thing to you, then you will need to make time to do that. But it's in restraint of not having that freedom anymore. And so, you know, that's a really difficult thing Mm. to come to terms with and also to organize and figure out.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's it's definitely a big transition. Like I've found like I did go into traditional like nine to five job and that transition was like really tricky. And to be fair, I I, I do think that it was helped by the fact that my job was fully remote because I went into work in COVID. And, do you know, my job has actually continued pretty much to be fully remote. There was a period of time where I was in the office two days a week, but the job that I'm in now is is also fully remote and I think that's helped an awful lot with prioritizing training but um it's still like a big adjustment and you're right you're tired you don't have that time to just kind of like go okay I'm going to do a four-hour SPD with my friends and like just accept that you can you know work late into the night doing your studying or whatever you're you've got a very prescribed schedule and I guess yeah for people who also don't have that who have a gap or who go into something different it's still a complete change like of you you've got all these responsibilities you've got to try and make money for yourself you've got to pay the bills like there's all these additional like life stressors there on you that you kind of didn't think about when you're at university because you're just so focused on this one thing. Um so I definitely do think um it's an adjustment for sure and a tricky one. But I, I think I guess one thing to say to listeners is just give yourself some some slack. Like give yourself some grace in that period. Like it is tricky and don't necessarily expect that your training numbers are going to be like perfect in that time. It's gonna be a period of just figuring things out. And like training will come back like a hundred percent if it's a priority for you and you love it, like you'll find the space for it and sometimes it just takes some trial and error about figuring out how that works for you. You know
1: Exactly and like I think that's the most important thing to take away is that it does come back like it, it does settle down like you will find mm-hmm. your rhythm and it's okay to not find that straight away even if you go into it going right I've got everything settled completely like I'm gonna work until five and then I'm gonna go to the gym and then I'm gonna go for a walk and even having all of that set out it's still exhausting and that that's okay yeah. like accept that it will be exhausting and just do what you can.
0: 100% so the very one of the very exciting things that you're kind of doing right now is you've not only gone on to become a powerlifting coach uh, which is really cool and I'd love to know why you chose to do that and motivations behind that but you've also started doing nutrition as well which is great because obviously like that's what you did your degree in and you're getting to use that as a sport that you love which is like even better um but tell us a little bit about how you kind of made the decision to to go into those things what the motivations are behind it and then maybe for coaching um why you love coaching and like why you find it rewarding
1: so I had the opportunity or an opportunity came to you. So Owen from EST came to me Owen Leggett and said, Oh, you know, I'm potentially looking at taking on interns to like um, you know, teach people how to coach. And I was like, Yes, please. (laughs) So I think being being women's captain, because I was women's captain at the time, or just turned president and One of the main roles is that is obviously you want to bring people into the sport, right? I wanted to give them the same experience I was given when I was joined and all the support I was given. I was lucky enough to have such knowledgeable people around me and I wanted to do the same for other people. I wanted them to want to love the sport but also know what they're doing and I really wanted to help people to do that. And I thought, well, Mm -hmm. I've been given this opportunity by someone who's the club coach and it means that i will be able to help people too like it just seemed like a no brainer and like i'm so grateful to have had you know that opportunity and it's just i've learned so much from doing that you know and it's provided me with so many opportunities you know being able to coach at competitions like with more mm-hmm. confidence being able to handle being able to you know i guess reach like a broader um you know um demographic of people you know being mm-hmm. able to coach at or you know ha- help handle it. Open competitions being it's probably mm-hmm. you know was one of the reasons I was able to go as an assistant coach as well as an athlete to Uni Worlds. Like just having that extra experience, like it just opens doors. Yeah. So yeah. seemed like a no brainer. And um, with regards to the nutrition, it was sort of the same thing. I was like, hey, I'm doing a nutrition degree. I've you know you get talking to people, you have loads of conversations, and it's always oh, like I think a massive part of you know the sport is what should I be eating I'm not eating yeah. enough this is a weight orientated sport you have so many people who were you know eating so much but not knowing how much to eat and I was like this to me is second nature why wouldn't uh-huh. I want uh-huh. to share this with other people um, and it's also something I'm more confident in you know like with the yeah. coaching it's it's a lot easier for me now having it being tutored and mentored by like Jacob and Owen and like my own coaches like gaining that experience but nutrition is mm-hmm. something that I've been able to teach myself so I like I'm yeah. lucky enough to be able to provide that to other people and so that's why I love it like being able to mm-hmm. help people mm-hmm. is always just I don't know just being something I've been passionate about and I'm able to do that with my own knowledge and you know that's really cool.
0: Yeah I can imagine it's something that's incredibly rewarding when you see somebody hit a PB and you've helped them on that journey or um, they go into a comp and they hit like some crazy total that they never thought they could achieve or even nutritionally like seeing somebody get have a better relationship with food that's a big one I'm pretty sure. Yeah exactly. Um, And also like just you know body composition, body confidence, like all of these things are just like, I can imagine pretty rewarding things to be a part of in somebody's life
1: a hundred percent like just making someone feel better with like something that's so simple and it's like it's sharing in that happiness as well like Mm. as you said like being able to share and like how happy someone is when they their training's going well or like hitting a pb and also being able to share with them and like reassure them that it doesn't have to be a hundred percent okay all the time because you know I think that's something that's exactly like something that's massively forgotten about and I think like personally it's something that I bring into my coaching and I make sure it's a priority is that that mindset of whilst you share in like the good times, it's like also reassuring and like understanding that it's part of the process when things don't go your way, like working through injury, that kind of stuff being injured. Like I know how difficult that is. And like, Mm. I think being reassuring is a, is a massive aspect of that. And I think it's, it's something that is like as important as everything else to like the coach client process and like relationship, is like sharing in both the positive and the negative um yeah Mm. so
0: that's so true I think that's actually as much as I can imagine coaching is rewarding in the good times it must also be something that's it does build like a special connection with someone where like they are having a really difficult time and like you're able to be that person who kind of walks through that with them and I think this is the thing like training isn't in isolation and I think all of us would like to pretend that training exists in this bubble that is unaffected by the rest of our (laughs) lives and it must always be perfect at all times and if you overshoot your rpe by half an rpe it is the end of the world and you have done something wrong and it's just not that it's just not the case you know like all aspects of our lives are are integrated and impact other things and i think that's something that's really special about a coaching relationship is you get to understand somebody holistically um And I think that ultimately leads to them performing much better because, you know, we can't have as much as a perfectionistic mindset can sometimes take you a long way. It only takes you so far, like learning to be adaptable and more resilient is is such an important skill as a powerlifter. And it's something I'm still 100 percent learning. Like, definitely, I'm still a perfectionist in my own way. But like, I think it is something that you know, working through that as a coach, with a coach, is such a valuable thing. I think it's true,
1: but I think that's a lot of, like, that's one of the main reasons we're all so passionate about powerlifting, because powerlifting, in the process of it, is sort of like a metaphor for life in itself, in that, you know, you can't expect everything to be perfect, like, all the time, and I think that's why training, for me, is, been so important in my own personal Mm. growth because I've taught you know myself like how to change that mindset and to accept Mm. that not everything's gonna you know be perfect all the time when to prioritize things when to prioritize myself when to prioritize others and I think taking all of those skills they're massive massive Mm. life skills and I think that's why, you know, part part of being a coach is like being able to is being a life coach. Like, I think that's what it is. And I think that relationship is really important in being able to, you know, teach people not only about lifting and numbers and technique, but also to take a step back and go, whoa, like, you know. <laughs> you know there's not everything's going to be perfect all the time and and that's okay you know that's all right and I think if you can help someone work through that they can take that experience to the rest of their life and everything kind of grows and builds together like I think people grow and build as a person through powerlifting especially like coming from that university and junior level like I think it's done it massive amounts for my own personal development yeah. and I think other people find that as well and that's why it's reassuring and that's why I think it's important for a lot of people.
0: Yeah and do you know what that's actually a really I think an inspirational point to kind of wrap things up as well. Um, Definitely totally agree with you Um, the amount of personal growth that powerlifting has given me in my life is just immeasurable um I look back at the person that I was when I started powerlifting at university and I literally don't recognize myself yeah Um, (laughs) exactly yeah 100% and I mean if anyone's listening to this who is involved in university powerlifting or is thinking about getting involved in it 100% do like it's one of the best things that, that I've ever done it's given me lifelong friends a community um loads of opportunities um and yeah I think most of all, as we've kind of just discussed there, um, so much in terms of personal growth and, and building a lot of life skills that have seen me far and hopefully that I can cont- continue to build on uh, into the future as well. Well, thank you very much, Hannah. That was a really great conversation and I hope that you all enjoyed listening to. We'll see you next time. I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the bar is loaded podcast if you did please like it download it and feel free to give our podcast a rating as well um, you can also follow us on instagram at bar is loaded underscore podcasts hopefully see you next time